Good morning. This is uh, Trisha Burke, and um, I'm glad to be here today with everyone. I'm just grateful for this nice, uh, cool weather that we're having, and to be here today. Um, I uh, was just saying that um, I was grateful for Tammy's, you know, checking in on me because even though. I don't think I've ever forgotten that I'm supposed to teach Sunday school, but I'm, I'm always grateful for her reminders and checking in with us to, to remind us, uh, you know, that that's coming up. And I said, I was just telling Debbie that I did forget a hair appointment this week, and I've never done that before, so it's been one of those weeks where anything is possible, I guess. So, But I did not forget to be here today, and I'm, I'm glad to be with everybody here. And um, so today we're going to be talking about a passage um, in Romans 12, and so you'll see the teaching sheet, it's a little short there, it's just uh, this uh, one passage in Romans 12, and um, it's kind of interesting this week, you know, as I've been, you know, the last couple of weeks after Mark had asked me if I would fill in for him, um, just really asking the Lord what he, what he wanted to speak, you know, to us all today. And, you know, I, I went through these different moments of, you know, words coming up and I would go and I would study and, and you know, I would not have real direction on that and then he would lead me into some other things. And so this passage just really, as I was studying this week, stood out to me and I kept thinking, okay, I know either somebody had taught on it, you know, I'm sure somebody has taught on it at one point or whatever, but I, when I'm studying, I rarely go back to my own teachings to kind of look at those as I start studying. I don't know, for me, I look at everybody else's teachings. I go and I see what the Lord has, you know, spoken over time in Wednesday Night Live and, and then our different um, podcasts and Sunday school teachings and things like that, you know, just to know and to reflect on what it is that, you know, God is really speaking to us in this season. But it was really interesting with this because I started studying this um, earlier in the week. And then um, yesterday I was trying, you know, kind of concluding my study and everything. I just decided to go back and peruse some of the teachings that I had done over the years. And sure enough, there was a teaching titled Our Reasonable Service. And it was exactly three years ago this weekend that I taught it. And so I looked, you know, I looked at my notes compared to what it was that the Lord had had me really develop in, um, you know, in this season, three years later. And, you know, a lot of it um, aligned with what the Lord was showing me today. But that was also a time that was during COVID. And um, so there were some things there that I, I can remember that I had um, spoken of and some things that uh, I think the last passage I had was speaking to, um, you know, the light and, and, this, and, and, you know, God's light, because one of the things that had been spoken from one of our leaders during that season three years ago was that we were going to have a winter of darkness. And I don't know if y'all remember that, but that was from our president. And I thought, you know, I don't receive that. We're not going to have a winter of darkness. I know wintertime for some people can be um, tough, depressing, or whatever. 
But um, to say that we're going to have that season filled with darkness, you know, declared from the political realm there, I just was like, I'm not, I don't receive that. We're, you know, we receive the light of the Lord. And so for a, just a reflection back on that teaching, um, that was kind of how I ended that. So um, I'm going to go ahead and start back on in Romans 12, uh, verse 1. And we're going to kind of, we're just going to go through each of these verses and um, really talk about what it means um, for us to, uh, what our reasonable service to him is. So um, Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reason, which is your reasonable service. And so that word reasonable there is from logos, it's logikos, which is rational or logical. And that service there, obviously, in this regard, is ministration of God and worship. And so, um, you know, it seems seems simple, but it, you know, as, you, as this passage unfolds, you see how many um, elements you know, tie into that reasonable service. And so um, you know, when, you, when you look at certain words, I mean, I, just, I felt like I just needed to click on, on just every one of these words and see what the Greek uh, meaning was behind them, because some of these you know, are very familiar. Um, you know, beseeching is perikaleo, to call near. So he says, I beseech you, therefore, to, I, I invite you to do this. I invoke, I implore you that by the mercies of God that you, that you do these things, that you um, parasime, the presenting, um, or you ex exhibit yourself as a living sacrifice. And that holy there, obviously, is hagios, and becoming pure, blame, um, blameless, and consecrated, unto him, and, um, the, and then you had the presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, and then acceptable to God, which is that um, uh, fully agreeable and well-pleasing, well-pleasing to him. And then on this next verse is, uh, Focusing on not being transformed, or being transformed, but not conforming to things. Um, says, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. And how are you going to do that? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that, what is that that's good, what is that good, and acceptable and perfect, will, the perfect will of God. So that word um, conformed there means to fashion alike and to become as a pattern for something else. And, you know, we can see definitely in the world today that there are those who are fashioning alike. They are um, patterning their lives and what they do after what someone else is doing. And one of, you know, I'm... When I taught English, I was in the classroom. I always loved having quotes in my classroom of different things. And um, one of the things that I would, had there was, in a world where you can be anything but yourself. And then I also had a quote that said, in, any, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. 
And so this uh, quote is by Albert Einstein. So in a world where, yes, I mean, people can be anything, they can conform to lots of things, um, instead of doing that, be yourself, be what it is that God's created you to be, and, and not conforming to something that's um, unpleasing and not fully agreeable or, or um, pleasing to Him. And then uh, this word transformed is metamorpho. And the Lord really sort of showed me, I mean, when I think of metamorphosis, I always think about a butterfly, and it's what it goes through to um, become what it is and the different stages. And so I focused a little bit on that yesterday about, you know, think about the stages of, of the butterfly, what it goes through. Um, each stage looks entirely different. Um, and it serves different purpose in the life of, of that insect. So I want you to think about your own life and you think about how, um, you know, over time, how we've transformed and been transformed to what it is that he's called us to be. Have we, did we all start where we are now? No. Um, some of us moved quicker, quick, more quickly through what it is that he is, you know, wanting us to walk in and um, the purpose he's called us to. Some went through different stages over time. So if you look at the, um, like the egg stage of the butterfly, they lay their eggs on very specific plants and the eggs generally hatched in four to five days. Some take longer, some take three weeks. So think about that and think about babes. Think about babes in Christ and how some it takes longer. It takes longer for them to um, you know, become what it is that their intention or intended purpose is to be. And I think about many years ago, um, for me, when Mark and I came to the church, you know, Mark just took off. I don't, you know, this is not something that I'm ashamed to ever say anymore. At, when I look back on my life and how he transformed me when we came here, um, for me, I know it took me a while. It really did. You know, my background um, in Christianity was very different from, um, you know, going to an Assemblies of God church, even though I went to Assembly of God college. But that, that time of transformation, it took longer. But God was so good and so patient and so faithful. And the people that I minister among, the same, supportive and praying for me. But, you know, I've had, I had, you know, somebody said something to me one time, someone that's very dear to me, and I, I understood what they were saying, but they were not really sure because of where I was at that point, if I was really gonna stick to it and make it. And um, I could see that because it was a struggle at times. Um, but I did, and the Lord gave me the strength and the fortitude to carry on so he could take me from that very, seem like more fragile, you know, place to move me to a point where I could grow and become what it is that he wants me to be. Am I still growing? Constantly. Am I still transforming? Constantly. Um, we always want to be that way. Uh, so the next stage there I put was the larva stage. And... Um, 
So, I mean, I know this is kind of a, you know, our little science lesson for today, but it's something, if you think about it, try to equate it to where, where you've come from, where you started, where you are, and where you are in this season, and how he might want to transform you further into um, what he's calling us to do. It says, when the eggs hatch, the tiny caterpillars begin feeding and growing. So they're, you know, they're thinking about feeding on the word, and they're growing, growing spiritually. Um, it says it starts by eating the eggshell, which provides important nutrients. Think about the word. Um, and then um, we'll begin eating the host plant. They will only eat from the host plant and will not move to an adjacent plant of a different species, even if it seems to be running out of food. And I, I mean, for me, I was thinking, okay, staying in your place, staying in your terio, staying where you should be not going out here or there and trying to feed upon those things that are not intended for you. Um, staying, just staying where, you, where you're supposed to be. That's so true. I mean, we've seen that over time. And if, you know, people would just stay and hang on with everything they have in them, that the Lord, I mean, the Lord gives you that strength. And, and you know, he wants you to grow where you are and um, feed upon the things that he, he is providing, not going to um, other places to be fed. Yeah, that's true. And we we see that it's it's just it's not. I mean, we for us, this is us. This is where we are, and this is where we should stay. And um, you know, time and time again, you look back and you go, okay, I know that that was. We've all been through tough seasons. We've been through seasons, that, and some of y'all, I mean, y'all been in a, a lot longer than me. But I, I can think of. Some of the seasons that were just the hardest to just, you know, stay put. And uh, not that I ever, you know, since we began this walk, that I've ever really wanted to go somewhere else. I've ne that's never even been, for me, a thought to want to go anywhere else. Um, because I know that Mark and I are called here. I mean, it, he, he ordained our steps to even move to Dallas. I mean, it just wasn't, you know, we wasn't something that we knew, okay, oh, well, we're going to go to Bible college and we're going to move to Dallas, Texas. I mean, he ordered every single step. And when you think about that and you know that that's what he's done, you don't want to veer off from, from that purpose. I think one of the, one of the things, when, when you look back on Romans 12.1, and you mentioned that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, <coughs> and you mentioned the peristeme, I love that because... You know, that's, our altar is our place where God has planted us. 
that's where our altar is and that's where when we present ourselves there and we hold fast to that place like you're saying that's where we are a sweet offering to him that's where we really uh, minister to him right. in that place of, of commitment and devotion that's what's acceptable and pleasing to him and that's yeah yeah, yeah. that's good <coughs> and I know we're you know I you think of all the things that go on in this season. There, you know, I, I love the holidays. I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. You know, we have a family full of December and November birthdays, and so it's it's always a lot of fun. But it also can be um, there can be a lot of noise there, a lot of noise that um, could pull you off focus and um, keep you from really. Remembering what what are the you know first things that we're supposed to be doing. So. Um. Okay, one more comment. Sure. Maybe I'll let you move on. I'll let you move on. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes me think too about how you know God trains us in a particular place, and the fact that you go out to try to it's almost like you're trying to circumvent the atmosphere that God's created for your training. By oh, if I go to this seminar, then you know I can be fed there, and I'll feel good, and you know there'll be some juice and anointing, and you know I won't have to feel this, you know, maybe a wilderness time you're in, or whatever God is using to train you. Um, I, I just feel like you know where we've been called is so specific. And let's say, what if Joseph had tried to break out of that prison and gone somewhere else? We ain't got nobody feeding. Israelites because he wasn't there to interpret the dream right. that said let's save the food because we're going to have seven years of famine. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean so if you try to circumvent where God has placed you even though it's hard and trying and unfair and everything sucks you're not getting to the place where God's taking you. Yeah. And that to me that is the biggest that's, that's the biggest component to staying put because there is there's a reason why you're there the reason why you're going through what you're going through, and he is going to feed you. He's going to feed you. He's going to feed you. Right. I think our perspective has to be, you know, when we were raising our kids, we would always tell them, don't be the one that's being influenced. You be the influencer. Right? right. And I think we have to look at ourselves as we're supposed to be the influencer. Not that we don't receive, but we <coughs> receive in our place of our ascending. We, this is where we receive. This is where we're fed. And yet we have to um, look at it as where does God want to send us to be that influence of his presence rather than where are we going to go fill that place? You know, how are we going to fill ourselves with these other ministries and things? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think in the beginning we went to different places yeah. to be impacted, but that was a learning, you know, being developed. It was being developed in those early stages, but once you know what's up, you, you know, then you don't go trying to take from here. No, you're supposed to give. Right. We have to go and feed. But yeah. Yeah. And I do think, I, I agree. I think that was a season where, you know, the Lord allowed us to do those things to learn. Um, but when we did, and we also know that. We didn't become them. We yeah. didn't start doing what no. they were doing. Right. We just took what they gave. Right. What God was using mm -hmm. for us, for what he was yeah. doing. Yeah. It was kind of a, somewhat of a starting point for, for where we are. <clears throat> right after that, um, I have, and it says, 
um, even though if if the even if the food seems to be running out, even if you're feeling like, you know, whatever season you're in at that point that you're not receiving the food, the nourishment you need, I mean, we, we know it's going to come. We know that. We know for, it's in that waiting um, with him. But, um, but the, the larva, it doesn't go somewhere else. It stays where it's supposed to. Um, it says, as they eat and their bodies expand, their skin becomes tight and eventually splits and sheds, revealing new skin underneath. So think about that, that new growth, that, um, that expansion that, that happens there. And, um, you know, that new strength or that new skin seems to be like, a, 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 to me, a strengthening, um, preparing it for that next stage it's just going to be going through. And it's, this process, as we know, is called molting. And it occurs several times as the larva continues to grow. Grow, don't we go through molting <laughs> over time? I mean, as we grow, we shed, you know, the the old things, and you know, we. Um, I've been shedding most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm grateful for that molting process. I don't want to hold on to those old things. I, you know, they. I want to be able to expand, to grow, um, not physically, you know. Don't need to do that, but um, to to you know be physically, spiritually, everything um, in a in a place where I can continue to grow. So you have to just put away those old things and things that would try to hinder that growth in you in order to grow. And then the next stage is the pupa stage. It says when the caterpillar has grown enough. It finds a protected spot, molts for the last time, and forms an encasement in which um, they metamorphose. In this stage, most butterfly caterpillars will form a chrysalis, and the pupa goes through a tremendous change during this time. So I think, you know, about our, our times of intercession where we, you know, we find that place and we're really just... Um, encased in his presence um, so you know to, the, to me that's our that's our most important stage that's you know a constant thing that you know when we stay you know in close commune with him and in intercession that's going to be the um, propel the development and growth that we really need the pupa goes through a tremendous change during this time the caterpillar releases digestive juices that break down most of its body into a tissue cell soup from which it develops four wings, new legs, new eyes, new mouth parts. I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, I'm not trying to spiritualize, well, I am kind of trying to spiritualize every, I am trying to spiritualize every little thing about this because, you know, I think about wings to, to move, to grow, to to venture out, to be able to go out places, to um, move, you know, ebb and flow where where he wants to go. New legs for, for movement. Again, new eyes for seeing. New mouth parts, you know, him giving us, you know, being that mouthpiece for him. All of those things that he wants to develop within us um, in this stage, you know, I, I think about myself, you know, I, I, I say this often, and it's not, it's, it's not, I don't say this for any kind of 
you know, pity or anything like that. But for me, and y'all have seen it, I mean, I, I've never been one that gets up in front of people and really feels comfortable speaking. And I know a lot of people feel that way. But for me, you know, I'm, I've taught for 25 years and it's just, it's one of those things that I don't know that I ever want to be a place, at a place of comfort because I want to always make sure that I'm relying on the Lord. But sometimes the spoken word for me, I've always been a better writer. I've always been able to write things down. And that comes from my childhood with some experiences that I had growing up that I became, I just, I journaled everything. I, I became a pretty good writer because that was my, my way of expression. And so sometimes I do grapple for words to really expound on what it is that, um, that I want to say or that what I feel. I'm always one of those people that I say something and I'm like, why didn't I say this? Or, you know, after you teach, you're like, there's, there's so much more I could have said about that. But then again, I have to think, okay, God gave you what he wants you to say during that moment, and that was enough. Um, so I, I have to rely on that and believe that that's, that's where he has me. Um, but I felt like the new there, the new, you know, growth with the wings, the legs, the eyes, the mouth parts, all those things can be indicative of, of what he does in us. It says, when the insect emerges, the metamorphosis is complete. And so the adult stage, the fully developed adult, splits the pupil case open crawls out, hangs upside down to facilitate stretching and drying its wings. When all is said and done, the adult butterfly flies off to continue on with the life cycle. So it's, you know, goes through this, this tedious process, but then it's ready to fly. It's ready to venture out into all, it, all that, you know, it's, it's meant to, do, to be as a butterfly. Now, unfortunately for the butterfly, not our lives, but you know, it's it's a very limited life span like for them. Like yeah, something like that. And then I think it said maybe like two months at the most or whatever. And I think, wow, that's... They go through all that. I know. All of that to, you know, and then the, but the life cycle. To start. Right. This beautiful yeah, insect. Components that are in that to make all those parts, to make yeah. the eyes, the mouth, I mean, all those things, just like mm -hmm. with us when they come together. I mean, it's just this little, you know. Right. We're all there. The whole thing is all in that little egg. It's just microscopic mm -hmm. properties. It's just amazing. It's the only thing only the Lord can do, and it's pretty interesting. So, this uh, the analogy of the butterfly is. Caterpillars and butterflies. It puts me in mind of, of Paul and his experience. Mm -hmm. I've often wondered why a guy that spent his life educating the Torah and educating himself to the fact to the place where he was one of the top in knowledge 
and then he spent seven more years <laughs> in the uh, seminary of the desert, you might say, uh, mm -hmm. preparing in that that cocoon stage by him, you know, with the Lord in all of those years of preparation, and then he went everywhere. Yeah. Absolutely everywhere he could possibly go. And that's that's uh, we're kind of following that same model. Yeah, it's true. And uh, the first thing he said was to present your bodies. And uh, you want to go out and you want to see and you want to experience and you want to wait a minute. Present your bodies. Mm -hmm. Discipline your body. Dip, discipline yourself. Then discipline your mind in verse two. And then he gets into the spirit, and then he gets into the change, yep. and then he'll get into the ministry uh, later on. Right. And, and so it all begins with that. Very, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. Because very if you, I don't think if you can uh, present your life that way as a living sacrifice, <coughs> can you do the rest? No, because you're sacrificing everything to his will, to his yeah, purpose. It's a very appropriate uh, illustration. Okay, so um, go back. I have one more thing to say, if that's okay. Hmm? I have one more thing to say. Go in, sure. <laughs> you know, talking about just where we're fed, um, I remember in the early days when we would have these spiritual experiences, and I know a lot of those young chicks, we were running to our pastors, right? And... Uh, and I remember the day when there was like a shift, when I was I was told in a very gracious way. You know, I really I don't even think I was even told. It was it was alluded to the fact that I needed to go to God. And that was like the best thing that could have ever happened to me, because the best thing that we can do for in making disciples is teach them how to access God. Yeah, and. And so when I say we're the influencers, that's really our influence is to, to teach them how to find relationship and go to the Lord because we even have a tendency to want to feed on one another, which we do in every joint supplies. And I love how the Lord has worked all this out so that we're all supplying in our own way. But we all know, and remember when there was that shift when we all just had to find our place and, and find that access point on our own. And it was a huge point of maturity. And just this week, I was I was counseling with um, somebody who actually disciples young men, and and I, I was overhearing a conversation where he was trying to counsel this young man, and I could feel this guy just feeding off of him. And and I told Alzadie, I said, you the best thing you can do for him is teach him to go to the Father, because. That is our tendency, is to want to find find it from one another, which we do in a certain way. But if we can't teach others to find him, we are, we're not fulfilling it, right? And that's what Jesus did for us. Yeah. Yeah. And we all had to find that. And I know, again, you know, y'all had, I mean, every one of you that are in this room, I mean, you, you had had that walk for what, two years, I think, at least, before Mark right and I came? She just jumped right into the middle of it. Well, I did, but I didn't. I mean, honestly, it, was, it wasn't because I did not want to. I mean, it was a matter of understanding, and I, my mind, I was trying to figure things out. 
But, you know, and I think I was thinking back on this with the transformed and conformed. I, I guess in some ways, I felt like I did need to fashion a light to what I saw that was going on so that I could feel like I was moving in what it was that God had for the whole house. So in that regard, I don't think that, you know, conforming is necessarily a bad thing because that's how we learn. And that's why we go and be an example. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you think about all the churches that we've gone to, they, you know, that's how they've learned. You know, we've patterned it before them. But, you know, obviously I know this is talking more about, you know, not patterning things of the world and things that, you know, are not focused on, on his purpose. But and I think there is to, to some degree a fashioning, you know, to what, what others are doing as well. Hey, Trish, can I, can I add something? Absolutely. <clears throat> so I was, uh, I, I, speaking of spiritualizing the butterfly um, and their metamorphosis, I um, looked up a couple things about the specifically monarch butterflies. I don't know if you looked into them in particular, but again, there's all these different breeds, which we can also look at that and see like, well, there's all types of different Christians, you know, the different lifespans and everything and the different purposes and the mm-hmm. different locations they go. It's kind of an interesting thing to kind of compare with us. But in particular, those monarch butterflies, they, so I was just looking at their lifespan, and I know that they migrate from North America down to South America and back. But so they generally live two to six weeks, except for the last generation of the year that's that's released at, at the end of the summer, because they can live up to eight to nine months, because they're the ones that are meant to do that migration down to South America and then come back up. But that was just such a fascinating thing to me, and I thought, oh my goodness, that's got to be, I mean, there's there's spiritual implication in everything in nature to me. And um, but this, so these all these other butterflies, all these other monarchs that live just a short while throughout the year, but it's those ones that are at the specific time, birthed for that specific moment, they're meant to do a specific job, and they live for that specific purpose oh. for way longer than all the rest mm. of their kind. But that's just such an interesting thing to it see, is. like the, the calling of the saints. To me, it's like, well, okay, we may be different, but our experience is different than other, than general church Christians. It's true. Or even than other, even than other saints, you know? So it, there, there are some that are called to certain things and some that are called to other things. So I don't know. I just Last generation. The last generation. That's amazing. Yeah. It says it right there. It does say right there. True. <laughs> I read. I read an article with one of my students the other day. I'll say the other day, about a month ago, and I didn't know this about monarch butterflies either. But one, depending on if they're to the east or to the west, some go this way, some go that way. So, I mean, that's you know specific purpose for them too, depending on where they're you know, used to being, so I thought that was kind of neat too, but I can't remember exactly where where it is that they go, but I thought, well, that's neat. I always thought all monarch butterflies just, you know, they went south or whatever, but it's two different. They divide up and depending on where they live. That's cool.
And then um, back in verse two, that renewing of your mind. Um, I thought this was kind of a, a neat analogy here that um, um, anachronosis, which is a like a re- renovation. So renewing your mind. Uh, when I think of renovation, I think about renovating your house and and changing, you know, um, things changing or you making it better, better preparation. Is, um, I looked up a, dic- a dictionary definition, definition just on renovation, the, um, the act process of repairing, renewing, or restoring to good condition, reinvigorating or reviving. So I just thought those are some good words to kind of go along with renewing just you know, we, you know, we need that renewing of our mind. We need that, um, that reinvigoration and that, um, you know, repairing maybe those places that um, maybe, you know, are not fixed on, you know, what we need them to be fixed on, but that renewal that comes too. So it's not just our, you know, our, you know, our spirit man, but we, our, our mind needs to be in that place as well so that, you know, all those things are connected and, and that we're um, thinking on those things of the Lord instead of things that, again, like the noise. Uh, I, I feel like, and I don't know if anybody else feels this or not, but I, I already feel like, especially with what all's going on in the world, and I don't, you know, I try not to focus a lot on that. I have a, my mom, she likes to watch Fox News all the time, so it's you know, it's kind of going in the background and stuff sometimes, and I'm like, I just can only handle so much of that because to me that's a noise that, you know, if you get that going in your mind all the time, that's where you're fixated on. That's where your mind is, and we constantly have to be renewing our minds so that our focus is on, because we know these things are, you know, wars. All those things are going to happen. It's not anything that's... Um, God, you know, God doesn't know. I mean, He obviously did and does, and um, it's not anything that we know is not going to happen. I mean, do we like it? No. Um, we pray, but it's it's part of those things that scripturally we know is you know coming to pass. And then that word "prove" um, to test or approve the agathos, and um, I know Pastor taught on on the perfect heart. The other day, and uh, so I was thinking about you know that perfect, that completeness there that comes. Um, let me go back to the because it talks about you may prove uh, what is that good and acceptable and the perfect and perfect will of God, that complete will of God. Um, so that's okay. Romans um, eight twenty nine. Oh, I added that in. Sorry, that kind of, I just put that as, uh, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed. Um, that's simorphos, um, jointly formed or similar to the image of a son. So if we're going to conform to something, it needs to be to his image, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So when I look at this Romans 12, 2 passage, and I think about how, that's you know saying don't be conformed to the world. On the other hand, we do need to be conformed to um, to His image. Okay, I'll leave with the next section: humility. 
Romans 12, 3, for I say through the grace God um, given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Um, that more highly there is uh, huperphaneo, um, which means to esteem oneself over much, to be vain, to be arrogant. But yet we should think soberly and, and, and exercise our mind in a, in a sober way. Um, and that word, I think soberly, I think of it for neo, it means to exercise the, the mind, to entertain or have a sentiment or opinion or interest oneself. So, I mean, you can see there the focus is me, 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 me. Obviously, that's not, you know, the place where he wants us to be, but, but to think soberly and to, um, according to how he has dealt every man the measure of faith. Now, I was thinking about, and I put this next section as one in the body of Christ, and I was thinking about Wednesday evening and how we all came um, for prayer and how the, um, you know, that Wednesday is considered All Saints Day. I grew up in an Episcopal church, and I know that, you know, the Catholic thinking and the Episcopalian thinking and uh, I guess probably Methodist in different churches you know, it's kind of a different thinking than the way we look at how, you know, we are as saints. Um, and I, so I just put a couple of things here about that. But I felt like it was, a, it was really a great time in the Lord for us to come together and focus together as saints on our calling as saints and our, where our focus should be. And I put on here, traditionally in some churches, it was and is still the yearly focus on those who, that have suffered and died for their faith. So we know we're focused on the here and now and what God is calling the saints to do in this time. It's not focused on, um, you know, St. Francis of, of Sissy or any of those, you know, people. The date of observance for November 1st was created and established by Pope Gregory III. It was originally chosen to coincide with the dedication of a chapel in St. Peter's Basilica to all the saints. Um, now, do I know all of the background on this? No, this is just a little simple part, but is any of this really focused on the work of the saints, the... Um, the current day work of the saints? No. It was an attempt to unify the various local celebrations of saints' feast days and set a universal date for honoring all the saints. Where it seems that the focus will be on those who have been considering saints and have passed, we celebrate this day and every day and know this that together as saints we have a great work to do even now on earth and not um, just focusing on um, this kind of focus. I just remember growing up and and that always kind of being a focus and mom, you know, mom making a big deal that my brother was born on All Saints Day and not on Halloween, but he was born on All Saints Day and so even though we kind of wondered sometimes if he was born on Halloween <laughs> when he was a kid. <laughs> so but, you know, I thought that was kind of a neat focus for us to, to gather together on that day as saints 
um, to to really dedicate our our hearts and our our prayers to to the saints' work and what he's wanting us to do in this season. Uh, Romans twelve four through eight. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether it's prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth or exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So that one body is, we're a sound whole. Um, we're just, you know, it's one, it's one body in the body of Christ. Um, when, when we prophesy, we are prophesying according to the, propor- the proportion of faith. Um, when we're waiting on ministering, we're positioning ourselves to be ready and to be instrumental when we're called upon to minister. Um, for me, you know, when I th- this is something I know the Lord is really working more on with me is to be ready, to be ready even... At a moment's notice, I am one of those who I like to make sure I have plenty of time to study. You know, when Mark decided, he asked probably everybody in this class if they would cover for him this Sunday. <laughs> um, I told him, I said, I'll do it. I said, but, you know, for me, that's enough. In my, for me, it's a little uncomfortable because I want to have time to really prepare. And I don't want to feel rushed. But, you know, I have to put myself in a place where I'm ready. And so it's, it's, you know, kind of pushing me more to, okay, if someone asks me today, um, could you speak Wednesday night or could you speak on Sunday? I need to, to be at a place where I'm ready to do that. Um, and that's, that's not relying on yourself. That's relying on what the Lord wants to speak to us in that season. And he's faithful. He does provide. And um, so just being, being ready when he calls upon us. Some people are better than others with that. I mean, there, there's some of y'all that who, yeah, sure, I got this, you know? And that's, and I, that's to me, it's, and I know that you don't do it because of that, but it's admirable to me that um, you are able to do that and, and be, be ready. So that's something that, that if I'm gonna pattern or conform myself to someone or something, those are, those are characteristics that I see in, in, in you know, individuals that I labor among that I want to be better at. And so iron sharpens iron. And I, I think that that you know, is something that we can all you know, look to each other you know, to, to be better at, to, to really, um, you know, for that to be a skill set that we have that we're able to do. Uh, when you exhort others, others, do it with simplicity with singleness, sincerity, generosity, um, copious bestowal, and not in a way that is self-seeking. Um, that word rule there, let me go back to the passage here. It says, um, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, do that with diligence. That's a prostimi, to stand in rank and practice, preside with diligence. And you're doing that with eagerness and earnestness, showing mercy, 
through a compassionate word or deed with cheerfulness. Um, Romans 12, 9 through 10. Let, let love be without, dis, without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honoring and honor preferring one another. And that dissimulation there is um, putting on the appearance of something or pretending um, being hypocritical. That's something, you know, I, that's, when I, when, especially when I'm, when I'm saying these things here, I know that that's not something that we're, um, that any of us are practicing in any way. It's just to me, it's a good reminder that um, what we're being called to do, that it needs to be with, completely with what the Lord has aligned and asked us to do and um, and it being with all sincerity. Um, abhor evil. I love that word abhor because I feel like that, that is like the most descriptive um, verb there to say, you know, don't just dislike evil, but abhor it. Utterly detest that which is evil. Um, we can't, we have to be careful not to become numb to the things that are around us, thinking that, yes, there's evil in the world and we're seeing this. Um, we protect ourselves from that, but we also have to address that at different times. Um, but we can't allow ourselves to be overtaken by that or for it to somehow uh, cloud our thinking. It says, cleave to that which is good. And I that word cleave is to glue, to stick to that which is good. So if you're, if, if you're being glued to something or if you take a glue stick and you glue something on something else, it's, it's difficult to remove. So when you're cleaving to that which is, um, which is agathos, then you're, you're sticking pretty close to it. Be kindly affection, cherishing, cherishing one's kindred, having a fondness for others, showing brotherly love, that word Philadelphia there. Um, I had this on there for, I guess it was the last, since I had taught this three years ago, um, some of these verses that I put on there. And a non-example of that would be the riots and looting that were taking place, similar things still, still happening. We see um, you know, lots of hate right now, things that are going on in Israel. And that's all based on just evil and hate and enemy and, and the death that he's trying to bring and the constant dissension. Um, but for us, we, we, show, we continue to show that love. And we're to honor, esteem, prefer, and lead the way for others. And these are things that we do. This is, these, are, these are things that when people do look to us and they are conforming to a pattern of... Um, the saints walk that, you know, we're, we're, we're taking that time to lead the way for others. We want, it, we want them to, um, it's, it's good to share, you know, we like to share sometimes things that maybe were pitfalls for us so that other people aren't going to go through those things. They, and they may, they may go through their own pitfalls, things that we never went through. But if we can help other people to stay the, stay the course and stay focused, then, um, you know, that's, I feel like that's one thing that we're, we're called to do for, for our fellow saints. Uh, 
service to the Lord. Romans 12, 11 through 13. Not, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. One of my favorite animals because they're just so funny looking. I mean, even though I think, you know, when the, when the Bible talks about slothfulness, you think about, I mean, if you look at a sloth, I mean, they are slow and they take their time and they have, they do very little. But don't be slothful in business. Um, fer be fervent in spirit. Uh, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Um, have that that rejoicing there is that um, chir uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but kind of full of cheer. It's a calm happiness. It says be be well in hope. That help us. I'm um, having that expectation and anticipation and confidence in Him. Um, being fervent is to be hot or to glow or having a showing a great warmth or intensity of spirit and enthusiasm, um, enthusiasm or being ardent towards something. And then serving the Lord there is to be a slave to serving the Lord. I mean, that's, we are um, called to that. And um, I was just trying to pluck out a few more words out of this verse, and I'll finish up. Uh, be patient in tribulation. We know there's going to be. We've we've gone through it at different times. There's that extreme pressure, but um, we've we got to we can't remove ourselves from that. I mean, we're um, it's going to be. We just have to persevere. Be instant. To be earnest towards, um, persevere, to attend assiduously, tirelessly, all the exercises to adhere in prayer, constantly diligent to pray. Those are all good reminders that regardless of what our uh, physical body tells us or the, the many things that would try to pull on us, um, that we need to, to be diligent to pray. Distribute to the necessity of the saints. Be hospitable. Romans 12, 14 through 15. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. And we've done both. I mean, we've, we've had times of rejoicing um, with each other. And then, you know, even here recently, um, when, when those that are dear to us are weeping, we weep with them. Uh, bless or speak well of those, um, eulogio, well of them, those persecutors to pursue with harassing or press, oppressive treatment. I mean, I'm sure we've all had those. Um, we've had people come against us as a, as a house, um, individually, even family members that are closest to us that tried to persecute us for the walk that we are walking. Um, they may seek to harass or oppress you. Um, because of your religious beliefs, your walk with the Lord. Um, we're going to bless those people, though. We're going to speak well of them. Regardless of what they um, say about us, we will continue to be the mouthpiece for the Lord and to bless them. 
Rejoice with others, weep with others. I said that. So Ecclesiastes says that there's um, that to everything there's a season, right? So we know that there's going to be great times of rejoicing. We also know that there are going to be times of weeping. And so, um, you know, we we in those seasons we we'll we'll do both. The next section is spiritual mindedness. Be the same mind, one toward another. Mind not higher things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Um, exercise your mind. Be like-minded with your brothers and sisters. Be mentally disposed to one another's thoughts, ideas. And, I mean, that's that's something I feel like we're, we're all really good about, that because we're like-minded and because our focus is on, on His work, that we, we listen to each other, we give um, input. And that's one of the things that I do like about our class here is that um, we share and we, um, we build upon those things that the Lord has given us and what may speak to one person, um, I think helps other people, you know, it come alive for them. And, um, you know, brings out things that maybe that others might not have said in the teaching. Don't entertain your mind on lofty things, but yield to others. Be humble. Um, don't have an excessively favorable opinion of your own ability or importance. Um, don't return evil with evil. These are all, you know, I know these sound, they're so, they sound so basic, but to me they're such good reminders that some things can be blatant, some things can be, you know, we just have to be so careful that we don't allow that to be something that even enters our hearts that could take us off um, off the path where we're supposed to be. And, and those things are going to happen. I mean, I, I think I said last time in, in Sunday school that I taught that, you know, God wants us and I mean, I know he's really um, strengthened my heart in a lot of ways, and my um, to to let things go or let you know, things that are said to not take them on a personal level, but just to go, you know, I know what God says about me. You can say what you want about me, but this is what God says, and that's what I'm going to believe. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall for the the words that. Um, you know, that come out of your mouth, even though you say you're a person who cares, but yet your words at the moment can be so cutting. So, um, in the face of all men, be virtuous, honest. Um, consider in advance those things which you say and do in the sight of others. You have to think about the things that we voice, um, the things that we allow others to see. I mean, live a life that's pleasing to Him. We're human. We deal with those, all those human emotions. Um, but I think a lot of times, I know for me, myself, if I would just stop, not say anything, and think about it, then I'm less likely to say something that's going to um, hurt, which is not would not be my intent. But again, we we do live in a human body. Romans 12, 18 through 19, if it be possible as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. As, 
if it is possible. <laughs> that was the word. Yes, if it be possible, because sometimes it is tough. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. I feel like, you know, if you ever feel like you have to defend yourself, don't. I mean, the Lord is going to, I mean, he, he knows who you are. The people that are most important to you that you labor among and that you love, they know who you are. Don't feel like you have to avenge yourself or defend yourself. Because um, he says, vengeance mine, I will, um, I will repay, said the Lord. When, um, don't retaliate against others. Let it go. We can sing the frozen song, let it go. Um, he, he will recompense. And the last couple of verses there in this, in this passage, uh, Romans 12, 20, 21. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now, I'm sure that somebody has brought this up before, and I didn't really go into any big deal on it. But that coals of fire there is anthrax. Um, is it, I think, the word coal maybe? Or it might have been, but it's anthrax. And I thought that was strange. But anyway, didn't focus too much on that. But um, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. If your enemy hungers or thirsts, give him food and drink. This will help um, the coals, of, oh, this will heap coals of fire upon him. Don't allow yourself to be overcome by the evil of this world because it's there, but overcome the evil with God's goodness. And that's what we're called to do. And I, that is it, unless anybody has anything they want to contribute or ask. Going back to there's a saying that says, um, to live above with those we love, now that will be glory. To live below with those we know, now that's another story. <laughs> yes, I like that. In verse 10, it um, talks about being kindly affection one for another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. And sort of a surprising translation there is that word preferring. Pro agenome pi. Or close to it. It's, mm. That's a Texas pronunciation. <laughs> um, yeah. It means to go before and show the way, to go before and lead, or to go before as a leader. Right. Preferring one another. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. And because you're thinking of them yeah, when you're leading them. You wonder why. I think we've all been there where we've wondered why did something happen? Why did this happen to me? You know, yeah. This thing that I'm dealing with, why did it happen to me? And I think this verse 10 tells us a lot about that. Going before. Mm -hmm. As a leader. Um, showing the way. Go before and lead. Go before as a leader. If it hasn't happened to us, it's hard to lead somebody else through it. It's true. And um, 
I think many times that answers the question that we all ask ourselves, why did this happen to me? Yeah. And um, it's, it's sure a teaching moment for other people. And maybe they don't have to go through it, but they probably will. But at least they will know that they have not been alone in that, and maybe they'll handle it a little better than maybe we were able to or 